This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. What if there was no community? What if there wasn't a community? And uh, I have to say this, that my understanding of community has begun to morph through the well, through the years that I've been a pastor, it's begun to morph, begun to change, begun to transform through time, failure, failure in relationships, brutal betrayal, sacrificial love, and unimaginable kindness by strangers. All these things have developed my experience of being in and practicing community, of sharing friendship with people. We all know that God designed us and created us to be in relationships and relationship with him in particular and relationship with others. We see this echoed in the passage of scripture that God gave us for all of last year and we're carrying into this year. In Luke 10 and verse 27, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you'll love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, what if we didn't have relationships? What if we really didn't have a relationship with God? What if Christ didn't come? What if there was no relationship with Christ? What if there was no community? What if there was no church? What if? You see, God created man. He created man for fellowship, for relationship. And he wanted a relationship with himself. God created woman as a companion for man. The Bible says that she's the helpmeet. That means she's the completer, not the competer. Now today it's amazing to me how many women just have lost their bearings and they think it's all about competition with a man. No, no, we're to complete each other. We're to not compete against each other. We're, to, we're different. Men and women are different. I'm sorry. You know, you may not think so. And we live in a world today that redefines gender as anything you want it to be. And you can be anything you want to be. I, I, I have to just beg to differ. God created man and God created women. And it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out that we're different. And I like the difference, to be honest with you. I think God wants it that way. That doesn't mean woman is less. And I don't think that we should disrespect the female gender in any way. In fact, it should be highly esteemed and respected. And the truth be known, only Christianity has lifted women, given them opportunity, blessed them. Most other religions, women have no standing whatsoever and are crushed by oppressive rules. So I think as Christians, we do honor our women. But God created a woman to be a companion for man, to be a helpmeet, and for man to be a companion with women. He created us for relationship. But it was man, it was mankind that broke their relationship with God when Adam and Eve questioned 
the goodness of their relationship, the goodness of their communion with God, and they believed the lie, the lie of an enemy. It brought a division in the relationship between mankind and God. Not only Adam and Eve were separated from God, but all of mankind. That's the sin called original sin. But that had a knock-on effect. It also began to affect the relationship between not only men and women, but their children. Not only between families, but between members of the community. There was a spiraling down. You see, when relationships are compromised or perverted, it results in pain. Separation, death. Think of what happens in your own relationships. Divorce, bitterness, guilt, shame, rejection. These are things that as pastors we deal with all the time. We're dealing with people's hearts, people's lives. We're dealing with people that are broken and it stems out of a brokenness, out of a lack of relationship with God, community with God, and a, ra- a lack of proper relationship with each other. You see, if there were no relationships, or if there were no need for relationships, then the cross of Jesus would be meaningless. Because Jesus came to reveal the Father heart of God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost and reconcile us to himself. You see, by revealing his relationship with his father, he pointed you and I into a relationship with God. In fact, in Galatians 4, God tells us what Jesus did on the cross. He says, so also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elementary spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that they might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child... God has also made you to become an heir, an heir of God. Wow. See, the cross of Jesus Christ didn't just have some transactional power. It had a relational power. It brought us into a right relationship with Almighty God where we can cry out and say, you're my daddy, you're my father. It brought us into a relationship really with each other where we're co-heirs together of something much greater. But you know, I think we discount that and, and, and I think that we need to understand that there is an enemy. There is even a, a, an enemy mindset that permeates our society that we transact with each other than, rather than relate to each other. So the question I have today is, what if we had real relationships? What if we really did have real relationships? What if we really did love the Lord our God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, and all of our strength? 
and we loved our neighbor as we love ourselves? What if we loved like Jesus loved? What if we loved like the Father loved? You see, God sent Jesus to the world to show us how to love each other, how to have community, how to have a relationship. And he called it something. He says, I'm giving you a ministry called a ministry of reconciliation. Jesus had that ministry and so do we, so do you and I. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says in verses 18 through 21, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Boy, I want you to know something. When I read that, I thought, you know, if we could just stop counting each other's sins against each other. And if community became more important than sin. And he's committed to you and I, the Bible goes on to say, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Wow. You know what? There's the story of the gospel right there. There's what Jesus died on the cross for. That's the hope for Zimbabwe. That's the hope for every church. That's the hope for every family. That's the hope for every person in this nation. Is a reconciliation with God. And once you're reconciled to God, now you have the potential, the compassion, the, the capacity to become an ambassador and represent him to others. What would our nation look like? What would Zimbabwe look like? What would African nations look like? What would the world look like? You know, I love reading the Bible because Jesus set his disciples up. He set them up for success. And I think sometimes he set them up not to fail, but to see just how weak they were as human beings. You know, it's very easy to think that you're going to just do everything on your own. You don't need everybody. But even Jesus understood that, hey, we need community. You know, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he never let them go alone. He always sent them in pairs, two by two. He sent 72 disciples out one time in pairs. The Bible says that they returned rejoicing that they had been able to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. You know, there's a lot going on in our nation right now where we're very impressed with power. We're impressed with miracles and we're impressed with deliverance. Now, I believe in all those things, but you know, we can get overly impressed with these kind of situations and these kind of things. Look what Jesus said. I, let's just see what Jesus said. Jesus said that they should rather rejoice that their names are written in heaven. He says, don't rejoice at the fact that you can cast out a demon. Don't rejoice in the fact that somebody got healed. He says, rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, he clearly pointed out that their eternal destiny 
through relationship with him was the thing to rejoice in and not all the things that are happening and all the things that are doing. I'm shocked at how many people have joined a church and have no relationships in it. Even here, right here at Celebration Church, there are people that come to church and some of you, I know you come to hide. Others of you come out of curiosity But some of us have begun to come together because we realize that out of community, out of relationship, out of something that God is doing in our hearts, God is up to something. Amen? Relationship is more important than any works that you can do. Relationship is more important than any transaction that you can accomplish. Or carry out. You see, we are saved through our relationship with Christ, not our works, lest any man should boast. However, we do works, but they come out of a relationship. I said earlier, I see too many people that are seeking signs and wonders, not the relationship with Jesus Christ. My desire is that we would have that relationship. I promise you this. When you're in relationship with with someone, he withholds nothing from you. The Bible says about Jesus, God said, or, or the scripture says, he who spared not his own son, how will he not freely give us all things? If God didn't spare his son, do you think he's gonna withhold healing? Do you think he's going to withhold prosperity? Do you think he's going to withhold blessing? But it doesn't come out of desiring the blessing or the prosperity or the healing. It comes out of relationship with the blesser, relationship with God. Now, God may bless you and you may have got a blessing and you may have sought a blessing and got it. Hey, God's good. But he's more desirous of relationship than you'll ever know. So let me give you four quick points and we'll close today. First of all, true community, true friendship must be reciprocal. Number one, true friendship or true community must be reciprocal. You see, there has to be a give and a take in any healthy relationship. In any healthy relationship. Whether it be at the individual level. I'll tell you what, a marriage can't be based on the wife just serving the husband. Or the husband just serving the wife. It's got to be a give and take relationship. It can't be the parents just serving the children. No, the children must contribute back into the wholeness of the community. The family unit. It can't just be the pastor serving the church. Or the few in leadership serving it. No, no, no. We're, We're in this reciprocally. It can't just be the government that eats and serves its people and we just keep paying. No, no, no. It's gotta be, there's got to be benefit for everybody. Uh, I think your amens are far too small for that one. <laughs> In healthy relationships, there's a give and a take. Now, no one person can give all the time. No one, can pers- no one person can do all the initiating. There has to be this reciprocity. It has to be shared. It must be a give and take, a back and a forth. You know, just this thought alone helped me as a pastor 
distinguish what had really become a fuzzy boundary in my life, in my relationships, where I feel like I was paid to be people's friends in ministry as their pastor. You know, see, when I began to grasp the need in my own life of having reciprocal relationships, then I had learned to distinguish between people who really want my work and people who were really my friends. See, some people want a pastor to show up for them and it kind of makes you feel like a hireling sometimes. And and I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to serve. For all of our pastors, we're we're here to serve. We're here to bless. And boy, there's no greater time than a bereavement or a wedding or uh, when you're going through it or a divorce or, uh, you know, there's a hundred times that a pastor can rally the church and, and be there for you. But so often it's a transaction. It's not really the relationship that God desired. And it becomes soul-destroying sometimes for a pastor who thought he had a relationship and ends up finding that, hey, he just got used. This helped me, and it still does. It helps me to know who I am to the few people that I can find in my life that actually want to be reciprocal rather than one of us feeling like we're doing all the giving and somebody else is doing all the taking. You know... I can't help but understand how God must feel. Even God himself is a trinity. He knew that he couldn't be alone. He couldn't just be used. And we're created in the image of God. I understand that we thrive when there's real community. It's not really good to be by ourselves in this life. The second thing that I learned about community is that we need to guard our hearts in friendship. Through a deep betrayal in my life, and I've had a few, but through one in particular, a friendship ended and it has never been resurrected even until this day. You know, I, I sometimes wonder, I still wonder how something that deep and that tearing could be repaired And I'm not even sure I want it to be today. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things you think, oh, could we ever get through that again? But I discovered a small and seemingly insignificant verse in the Gospel of John where we're told that Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. John 2, 24. He would not entrust himself to his disciples because he knew all men. You see, Jesus was speaking about his companions that were sitting around the table with him at what we are commonly known as the Last Supper. And he's having this dinner with them, and somehow deep in his heart, he knew that some of the people that were sitting there with him perhaps already had betrayed him in their heart and were not safe to be with. Boy, I'll tell you what, that one small verse gave me kind of like a fodder for the fire in my heart. And you know what it did? It wanted me to grasp for friendship and grasp for real relationship more deeply. Not to run away from it, but to really want to know what I have in a relationship. Here I learned that Jesus didn't give his heart away like we were taught in Sunday school. Jesus didn't just give his heart away. No. Jesus guarded his heart. 
Jesus guarded himself against all men because he knew that there was no man that could 100% be truthful or honest or pure. He wasn't fully vulnerable. In my quest to be like Jesus, I've learned that I might need to rein in my heart a little bit and to be more careful with who I call friend, more careful with who I tell the secrets of my life to. I want to encourage us as the church, don't tell all you know to everybody, but don't shrink back from relationship. Guard your heart. Number three, the Bible says that community is something that you do. It's something you do. (laughs) A guy named Wendell Berry, he's an author, you don't know him, but I'm going to quote him today. He said this, he says, community... I'm beginning to understand, is made through a skill I've never learned or valued. The ability to pass time with people you do not know and will not know well, talking about nothing in particular with no end in mind, just to build trust, just to be sure of each other, just to be neighborly. A community is not something that you have, like a camcorder or a breakfast nook. No, it's something you do. And you have to do it all the time. Boy, I tell you, when I read that, it jumped off the page to me. Because I realized that community is hard work. And sometimes you just need to sit and talk to someone, not because there's any advantage to it, not because you're going to get a deal, not because you're going to have anything. Because you need to learn to listen to each other and trust each other and know that we're all in the same community. You know, it's amazing to me how we have relationships and we see somebody drilling a hole in the boat and nobody says anything about it. We're all in the same boat. But if we were talking to each other and communicating to each other, we might even be able to look across the table and say, hey, I know that's going to bless you, but it's not going to bless us. Would you mind not putting a hole in the boat that we're all sitting in? That's the community. The community isn't about one person being blessed and the rest of us suffering because of your blessing. See, community is something that you do. It's something you practice. Slowly, we will build trust. Slowly. It starts by inviting someone for a cup of coffee or inviting a new couple to join you for lunch. Maybe not even in the church, but this is a great place to start. How many people do we really have community with in church? But how many people do you have community with in your community, real community? How often do we sit and just talk for no purpose other than to just Learn to trust each other. How many of you started the the journey of just practicing casual friendship? Just friendship for friendship's sake. You know, I think of a couple here in the church and they came to our church and they came to the city here and they were both, there they, they were actually two couples and they, they, they were both new to town. And uh, 
they were new and they shared the same neighborhood and they were new to our church and uh, they were all both at a new stage of their life together. They were both going to have children together. They, and, and, and I watched this couple begin to build a friendship. They had a lot of common ground to build on. They were both new to the church. They were both new to the community. They were both new in their jobs. They were both new parents or soon-to-be parents. Boy, do you know what? I've watched that relationship blossom. The wives share. The wives are raising their kids together. The husbands get together. They're coming to the men's meetings, and they're figuring out how to be dads, how to be fathers, how to be husbands. I think it's exciting to see community developing in front of my eyes. So they're getting involved in the church. They're getting involved in their community. I think in our church, we have a lot in common to build on as well. Community. It needs to be practiced. It needs to be built upon. I'm thinking of this congregation here. How many times do you just come to church and you walk out that back door and you've never met anybody new? You've never really bridged the gap in your friendship with anybody and you're lonely. You're hurting. You're broken. You need help. We need community. Finally, our last point today is community requires tolerance and mercy if we're going to keep friendships and community alive. Tolerance and mercy. I heard an author write this. He says, without tolerance and mercy, all friendships die. How many of you know that friendship isn't about being right? Hello? I'm amazed at how many people will break a friendship if they disagree about something. Well, I'll tell you what. If we're going to agree on politics, we're not going to have any friendships. In this season, who do you trust in politics? You can't trust anybody because nobody's clear. Boy, you, 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 you're in the in crowd today and tomorrow you're out. Knives out, daggers out, axes out. We, we don't know who's in, we don't know who's out. It's very confusing. You can't build on politics. You can't have real relationships around politics. Hmm? Hmm? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who cares? You see, friendship is not about being right. Community is not rooted in the affinity where everyone believes the same thing. We don't all have to believe the same thing. It's not about having the same political views. It's sharing the same doctrine. The soul of friendships will shrivel and die unless we practice tolerance and mercy with one another. Now, we will not always agree. 90% of all business partnerships fail. Did you know that? So I have people that have started things together knowing that 90% of all business partnerships fail. And now they don't talk to each other because the transaction was more important than the relationship. I'm going to tell you something. There's something seriously wrong and something sick about a transaction being more important than the relationship we're in. We simply need more tolerance and a whole lot more mercy with each other. I read this somewhere. A diminishing circle of friends is the first terrible diagnostic of a life deep in trouble of overwork, of too much emphasis on a professional identity, of forgetting 
Who will be there when our armored personalities run into the inevitable natural disasters and vulnerabilities found in even the most average existence? Ouch. How does somebody write something like that? Boy, I read, I read that and I thought, man, am I having a diminishing circle of friendships? Am I, having a, am I overworked? Am I, am, I, am I living this life the way God wants me to? All I know is those words became a scalpel to my crusted heart, my hardened heart. I want you to know if you find yourself having a diminishing circle of friends, perhaps your own understanding of friendship or your own understanding of relationship will need to morph. Here's a good question to ask yourself. Who will be or who are the six strong people who will carry your casket to the grave? I'm not sure I know the answer to that question for my own life yet. How many of you know that answer to that unsettling question? Maybe by asking an uneasy question, it may jar us into thinking more about this very important issue of our lives. The question about who are my friends? And how do I really find true community? You know, we live so much of our lives either sleeping or on the hamster wheel of life that few of us think below the waterline of life. We're not really thinking how God wants us to think. But God's inviting us today to think about this, to ponder our steps, to give voice and ear to our future. Many of the great spiritual truths in our lives are best understood when we accept the notion that goes like this. And this is hard for some of you, but I've learned to look at life through this paradigm. I say, I don't know everything. That's hard for Zimbabweans because we're, we're very proud. We know everything. And we have the white papers to prove it. Nobody can teach us anything because we already have all the answers. We've had the answers for the last 30 years. We know everything. There's no room for us to learn anything, is there? But I've come to the conclusion I don't know everything. As I live more, I believe I'll become more wise. The Bible says that a wise man receives instruction, but a fool you can't talk to. You know, I want to be wise. I'm taking it in my stride now. I used to have certain degrees of people I wouldn't talk to because they're far beneath me. I'm so intelligent. I'm so, you know, my, my life is up there. I can't be with, no. You know, I'm finding out that if you're going to have community, you can sit with the poorest of the poor. You can sit with the neglected. You can sit with the school teacher. You could sit with the police officer. You could sit with just about anybody in society. And everybody has something to offer you. And a wise man can listen and get wiser. Only a fool doesn't need to listen to somebody else. You know, I'm really shocked as, as a pastor. And, you know, many people think, well, you're just such a great man of God. Well, you know, some of my greatest lessons 
come when I hear of the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ spoken through some of the most innocent and young and adept people I've ever met. I was speaking to some of our cross-culture kids the other day. I was shocked at the revelation they're receiving. I'm, I'm amazed at the next generation that's coming up that has a passion and a love for God. And, and, and they're going to go further than we've ever gone, and I want to create a platform for them. I think, of my own, I think of my own little grandson. My little grandson is teaching me about a simple faith. Didn't the Bible say that you'd be taught by your children? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm being taught by my grandchildren. I, I think there's something about listening and having community that we all need to do a little bit more of in the nation of Zimbabwe and in the world. Amen? You see, I want to be a student of progressive revelation. I want to grow in my understanding of all things that matter, really matter. I've been married for 35 years, and I want to grow in my marriage. I still want to grow in my marriage. I've been a father now for 31 years. I I want to be a better father than I am today. I've been a pastor for over 40 years, and I, I still want to be a better pastor I've tried to serve a nation to the very best of my ability, and I want to do a better job. I want to learn how to keep my health and not eat the body-destroying foods that we bring into our nation these days. I want to help you eat healthy. So you can live a long life and be satisfied. I want to keep learning. I want to have a community where we can talk about those things. And yes, debate and even disagree and still be friends. And most importantly, as I'm learning about all these things that are necessary and essential in life, I want to have a deep yearning for heaven. A deep yearning for that which is eternal and what's going to be for Ever, and I want you to be there with me, and I want to be there with you. All I want to say as I close today is, as I've morphed, and as I've grown in my understanding of community, I could now be ready to lay down some of the things that have not worked. Things that have not served me and not served my friends in my past well. And I want to practice a better way of being a friend than having friends. Like the Apostle Paul told us. He said sometimes we need to put aside childish things or childish notions. And take a hold of more mature understandings of things. I find myself doing precisely that. Precisely as he instructed us to do. Especially regarding friends and community. I don't know how to make an appeal in church, let alone to a nation, about what we need. But I know that our nation is in dire straits. If we don't return to some degree of community where we build trust, we know each other. Some of us don't even know our neighbor. That's why we don't trust them. Some of us don't know the guy at the end of the street. We don't know the beggars. You know, we made it an effort in our church to go out and talk to the beggars on the street corner out here. By the way, those beggars on our street corner, they don't want help. 
That's their livelihood. That's how they make a living. Those kids are out there because their mother and father won't put them in school that we would pay for. That's a criminal act. That's a criminal act. Those parents should be made to pay. But that's how those parents that don't even live in this part of the community make a living, by sending their kids. And the kids can't go home until they've brought enough money. That's, that's, that, I don't know what to do about that, but that's the sickness that's coming into our society. And the fact is we don't take the time to know our own communities, nor to talk about these things, nor to solve them at a community level. But it's time that we stop and understand that we're all in this together. In our own local church, I am shocked at how many people come to church and leave, and that's all they ever have is a Sunday service. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's a very poor example of what church is supposed to be. That is not what I intended, nor is it what God intended when we built this church. We are only as strong as our friendships. We're only as strong as our relationships together. And if we're not willing to invest in each other, if we're really not willing to get down and get our hands dirty in each other's lives, then this is a sham. This is not what Jesus died on the cross for. That's why I encourage you, and I'm encouraging you today. If you're not in a cell group, that's the number one place to start. Get in a cell group. Why? Hey, you're going to meet people you never met before. People different than you. People that, and you know what? You may not agree with them, and they may not even have your same value system. They may be older than you. They may be younger than you. They may be colored. They may be white. They may be in the belly. They might be Shona. And God forbid, they might be Chinese. Oh, and I wouldn't want to be around anybody different. I might learn something. But the only place we're going to break those barriers down is if we intentionally, as the church, do something together. So I'm asking you today, if you're not in a cell group, what if there were no cell groups? What if there was no church? What if there was no community? I'll tell you what. Men and women left to themselves end up very lonely, very hurt. When you're going through that marriage problem, I'll tell you what, I thank God for the people that have drawn alongside my wife and I when we went through marriage problems. When you're going through that divorce, thank God for something like divorce care. We've seen so many marriages restored out of divorce care. They said, oh, I realized. I didn't realize what the, I was going into. I'm glad. I want to get my marriage back. I, because I'll tell you what, you may think that divorce is an answer. It may, it may be. But I'm going to tell you something. It may also be the worst next 10 years of your life or longer. What happens when somebody dies and you're bereaved? Hey, we need each other. That's when we need each other. And we don't need just to have the funeral, to placate and to appease the ancestors. And a year later, beat the grave. You know, we don't need that. What we need is ongoing relationships Are you listening to me? Because I'll tell you what, you don't grieve for a year. 
Some of you will grieve the rest of your life. You'll never forget those people. Sometimes those people are... When you have a broken friendship or a broken relationship, those people don't go away. Boy, as a pastor, I have faces that come up before me. I pray for them. I just say, God, I remember that person. I have good memories. I have bad memories. I have good people. I have bad people. But I love them the same. Relationships. What can we do? What can you do to build relationships? Some of you work with people, you don't even know what they're going through. Some of you hire people and you have no idea where they came from, what their real needs are. It's not a relationship, it's just fill that position. No, no, no. That's not the Zimbabwe Jesus died on the cross for. We've got to rebuild our nation. We've got to do it with real relationships. For Celebration Church, You're here. You're here. We've created a fantastic platform through our app. You can get online through our app, celebrationchurches.org, celebrationchurch.org. Get online. Start connecting. Find out what's going on. Number two, (laughs) you can get in a cell group. Oh, my gosh, that's where the life of the church is. It's in these cells. And, you know, I know it's hard to go every, every week. Oh, my gosh, once a week I've got to get out of my... Hey, don't look at it as you have to. Look at it as I get to. I get to go invest myself and build community. Yeah, but I don't like these people. That's because you don't know how to have community. None of us like it, anybody. You don't even like yourself. Well, what's the purpose behind it? How about if we just start with listening to each other? I might even learn something. Tap your neighbor and say, you know what? You might learn something. Ask your other neighbor, are you willing to learn something? Ask your other neighbor back again. Say, are you willing to listen to somebody even though you know what they're going to say? For the sake of community. You know, I have a friend. I'm gonna, I'll close with this thought. I have a friend. And this guy can talk. I mean talk. Uh, and, and, and he's not in Zimbabwe, so don't get... But when you get him on the phone, you know it's an hour. And, and it's an amazing friendship, I have to tell you. He's an amazing person. But when he starts talking, I can literally lay the phone down. It's gonna, and one hour, he won't take a breath. But here's the amazing thing. He's telling stories. He's 86 years old, by the way. He's telling stories of his life. This guy has lived a life that none of us have ever lived. He's an amazing character. I've listened to his stories for the last five years. He's never, ever... Now, he's told the same stories many, many times. Don't get me wrong, okay? But he's he's never told a lie. He's lived this incredible life. And I... And, and you, you know what? I'm the richer person for listening to this guy. I'm the richer person for listening to him. The only thing better than listening to him for an hour on the phone is to be with him for four hours. Because <laughs> that's what it takes. When you go with him, it's four hours, no matter how you cut it. So you may as well have a nice dinner. You may as well, because he's going to talk for four hours. But he's an amazing character. He's a character. He's a character. 
and he enriches my life. Who do you have in your life that's enriching, enriching your life? All of you in my life are characters. Every one of you. Just tap your neighbor and say, you're quite a character. Now would you let them enrich your life? That's the question. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the grace of God. I thank you that as we've shared the word of God, as we've shared what I believe is a critical need in the nation of Zimbabwe, in Celebration Church, our churches, our communities, and our families. Father, would you please, by your Holy Spirit, begin to move upon the nation, begin to move upon our hearts, our minds, our wills, and our emotions, that we might once again be willing to embrace one another, be willing to reach out one to another, be willing to create the community that is life-giving, real community, not based on an agenda, not based on a political persuasion, but based on something far greater, our genuine love one for another. May we accept you and have a relationship with you and be willing to accept one another, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, for those of you that are here today, we have a Cell Life sign-up card. What if, what if you decided to build a relationship in a cell? Now, by the way, if you join a cell group and you say, man, I just don't fit with this group, that's okay. Come back, tell Pastor Taz or tell one of the pastors, hey, listen, that was a weird group. Hey, you know, that cell leader. But I I would say, give it a couple of weeks. And if you really say, "Mm, eh, mm, eh, it's just not, that's okay, go to another one. There's another cell group. There's one right next door. There's there's one in your neighborhood. Don't worry. We have some really good cell groups. We have some that are very good. We have some that are okay. And we have some that are learning to be okay. (laughs) You know, people aren't perfect like you. I know you're perfect, you know, but I always tell people this. If you find a perfect church, don't join it because it won't be perfect anymore. Uh, If you find a perfect cell group, don't join it because it probably won't be perfect anymore, you know. The truth of the matter is everybody's growing. We're all learning and we give grace to each other. We give a lot of room to wiggle. We are trying to create that atmosphere I was talking about where we tolerate one another. You know, you have a different opinion than me. I can tolerate that. I can say, okay, I, one day you'll find I'm right. <laughs> but that's okay. You go, if you want to believe that, go right ahead. God bless you. I, and I can tolerate that. I, I don't have to be right. And we can still be friends. Some of my best friends, we, di- we disagree. Di- we, we are so diverse. We disagree so much on so many things. But we're friends. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.